Hello, hello, hello. Sammy here from the Gateway team. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we start. I just want to say thank you so much to all the fans of the show who've been with us since the start and welcome to anyone who is newly joining us. We appreciate so much of the love and support that we've received from all of you over the last few seasons. And we'd especially like to thank our patrons who have been kind enough to help us with the podcast. And if you'd like to become a patron of our show, you can head over to www patreon.com forward slash gateway to anime. Every little bit helps and it means the absolute world to us. So thank you to all of you who have done and thank you to all of you for listening to the show. If you'd like to get any news of the podcast, you can head over to www.gatewaytoanime.com. And if you want to find us on any social media platform, you can just search gateway to anime and you will find us. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Gateway to Anime. How are you all? What's going on? Charlie, what up? Hi, not much. Good to be back uh, here with an old, old friend, prodigal son. <laughs> We're going old school. Has returned. We're going old school. Mm-hmm. Brett, welcome back, my friend. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I didn't know you installed a moat <laughs> on the way. It's raining. To, Was the drawbridge and, up? Yeah, <laughs> no, no. It really had to go around the alligators. And Welcome back, Brady. So good to have you. It's good to be back, good guys. Cool. You've been in the Hermit Kingdom for this whole period of time. Yeah. Western Australia. For yeah. those of you outside of this country, don't understand that reference. For those but I don't know that reference. I, I don't think that's, in... that's a reference, is it? No. Do people no, call it the Hermit Kingdom? A bunch of people do, yeah. A lot of people in the West on this side of the country do. this side, yeah. Not when you're there, though. Because you haven't had COVID up. No, they just call everybody else. What about when the king of the hermit people comes? (laughs) 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 Mark (laughs) McGowan. Mark McGowan, king of the hermit people. Um, (laughs) No, it's great. Brett, always wonderful to have you back in. It's all, you know, it's the whole family's here. The whole family's here. This is the original. You guys are doing a great job. You don't need me. Thanks for having me back. Well, the drawbridge was up. The drawbridge was up. I don't know how he got in, actually. (laughs) I'm swinging it around. Great to have you back. Graham, of course, welcome back. The family unit is united again. How are you, man? What's going on? I feel like I was just caught in bed with someone's wife. (laughs) (laughs) A bit guilty there. I won't be making eye contact with Brett. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's how it's going to go. Just you guys. Um, So this is actually a tournament arc. The winner will be the... (laughs) All right, so this week we have all gotten together to talk about anime films. Now, this is a topic which is basically a huge gateway because yeah, I understand maybe some of you don't have much time in your busy lives and to watch 400 episodes of a, of a show, it's a bit of an ask. Even watching 12 can be a pain sometimes. So even watching three. Even watching three. Well, no, three is I'm a movie. joking. But three is easy. <laughs> God, it's funny. I had then, the opposite. Then they catch her. Look, I, me Opposite too. problem where I'm like, I couldn't possibly commit to a movie. I'm like, five seasons and just sit there and just like smash through it. But look, if you're, if you're into season four of this season, you've probably watched a couple of animes by now. Hopefully you have. No, this will be the one. This is the one. But no, look, I mean, even if some of these films, well, you know, three out of the four films we're going to talk about are older and uh Massive gateways into not just the genre, but but just even anime itself coming over to the West in the first place. So these are influential as hell. These are unbelievably important films. 
And it's been pretty crazy that we haven't talked about them already. So we thought we'd have to get the OG team back together. We probably should have done this episode back in season one. Here we are to talk about some massively influential and important anime films. If you haven't seen them, you got to go watch them. And if you have, I would strongly suggest going back and checking them out because my God, do all of these films still hold water and still pushing boundaries and influential today. So let's talk about what is quite possibly the most influential anime film of arguably piece of anime of all time. Ponyo. <laughs> I love Ponyo. I love Ponyo. 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 It is a great, great Ponyo. film. We're not, course, oh, we're not doing Ghibli. We need to recommend Obviously, to we've, we, talked, we did our Ghibli episode before. Yeah. You, know, we, you know, we know that. But this, these films were also a great introduction to the more adult way of making cartoons. And it wasn't really done in the West until Japan kind of smashed in with these with these films. So, Brett, why don't you tell us about the OG, the phenomenon that is and was Akira? Well, thank you for letting me do this one because, I mean, I love film. I work in film. This is sort of the penultimate or the, the paramount of Japanese animation hitting the West, as you sort of uh, mentioned in the introduction. In 1989, this little-known film hit the US market called Akira, and nobody ever seen anything like this before. You've got to understand up until this point, cartoons were Disney, they were Hanna-Barbera, mm-hmm. they were Looney Tunes. There were things there with, I guess you, you'd had... Um, Transformers and things yeah, that were kind of geared to selling a product. Who Framed yeah. Roger Rabbit. Yeah, maybe in the West. Almost yeah. the most adult. An yeah, amazing you know, movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, um, you know, Kira was, was pretty special in just introducing, and this is... When I saw it, I didn't know what – I still didn't know what anime was. I probably saw it in the late 90s, mm. 10 years after it came out. But this film, yeah, was widely received in the West as one of the best sort of introductions to Eastern culture that – yeah, I guess we've had we'd had Akira Kurosawa. We'd had, you know, all these great films come out, but this was like one of their first sort of cultural sort of gives to the West. Yeah, it was the first one that really sort of broke – any kind of mainstream in the West, you know, and like for those who were very, very, very informed, there were others, but this is the one that kind of broke mainstream. Akira, I've got a few notes here. Like one of the biggest things that I found quite interesting is that its infamy was to do a lot with its stunning visuals as well. It was something that really hadn't, like we hadn't really captured proper motion in animation mm. up until this point. We, we were starting to do visual effects and things, but this, they started to, do a lot more uh, pictures per frame to actually make the story work. So they went sort of from the studio Ghibli, which was like 12 pictures per frame as a steady for the entire film. And Akira did this but then went to 24. And it's just absolutely beautiful the way the action oh, uh, the flow. flows. It's yeah. fluid. It's, it's, it's real. The colour scheme. And because it's, it's controlled, it's not even hard cuts like you have in live yeah. action. You have to go to the next scene. It can just keep going. And, and, and that whole we weren't used to that. Motorcycle chase scene. Yeah. It's oh. been aped across every genre of yeah. TV shows. The slide. I constantly go, oh, it goes for like eight minutes yeah, or it's something. A long, it it's goes a long for chase. a long. Listen, yeah. It's so good. It's but it's paired perfectly with sound and music. The sound We're getting quite excited about Akira, the idea, but like just so you know what like Akira in a in a sense it's it's look, I just pull this straight from the internet because it's such a sprawling sci-fi narrative that I I if I went 
down the rabbit hole, I would have lost myself. So yes, just so you're aware of 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 what it is loosely about, it's essentially it starts off setting up this this world where a nuclear bomb was set off in Tokyo after ESP experiments on children go awry in 1988. In 2019, 31 years after the nuking of the city, Canada, a bike gang leader, tries to save his friend Tetsua from a secret government project. He battles anti-government activists, greedy politicians, irresponsible scientists and a powerful military leader until Tetsuo's supernatural powers suddenly manifest. And then there's a great battle at the end. I don't want to... Can't really... Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's pretty much yeah. all you need to know yeah. to watch it. And you don't want to... You, you know, I don't want to go into the, the, the details of how they get there, of course, but go watch it for yourself. Yeah, it's, it. I spoke to someone today who said to me that their first anime and the only anime they ever watched was um, Akira. Oh, and he goes, common. and it made me laugh though because he was like, yeah, I loved it. It's really cool. And he goes, what happened? And I, and I kind of went, yeah, I don't really know. But yeah, I, was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I don't think, and he was like, it didn't seem like it mattered. But, um, and I was like, look, there is obviously a storyline and people will probably shade me for saying that. Like it's obviously a very, you know, clear storyline and things happen. But like I think a lot of the appeal about it was the aesthetics, how different it was, like how amazing it looks, the sound, as you were saying, everything. And like also the the sci-fi, the noir-esque kind of like neo-noir stuff that is so popular in a lot of our media as well. Oh, I think yeah. it just like ticked a lot of boxes. So. When did Blade Runner come out? Early 80s. Early 80s. Yeah. yeah. But it's got yeah. that dystopian yeah. fractured kind of, Feel to it. Yeah, I think the what's so interesting about films, a couple of films that came out around that time, like Grave of the Fireflies, mm-hmm. was like a lot of their their films and their stories were about technology destroying, not you know creating. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, all the Godzilla movies. That's just analogies that's for the bomb, reason, really. Yeah. Absolutely, the analogies for the bomb and what they were going through. But this was and this was starting to become a, a process of understanding and I guess they were starting to I hope heal but they were also starting to embrace this as part of their culture this is something that happened this is something that we need to talk about these are some of our fears these are some of the things we need to get out there it's also in the 80s when Japan went into its sort of economic golden age when it became the center of technology and And this was the golden age in Japan for Cinema. So we had mm. our golden age of cinema in the West in the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties. It was 1980s. So they went from nine in, in 1970. They had 49 films created in that decade. Then the 1980s had 200 films. Yeah. Wow. That would be huge. Now I don't, I don't even know if we'd be able to, you know, count that. Yeah. That's a pretty significant amount of talent starting to show as well. That's oh yeah. Three decades of anime creators starting to come to the the top. Absolutely. And yeah, all, all of the kind of children of Osamu Tezuka, obviously who made Astro Boy, all of these guys were starting to come into their own in the eighties. Like this was a huge time for anime. I mean, the influence is still seen today. I mean, this is the Rick and Morty episode, I think not this latest season, but the last season where, you know, they go, Oh, we've got a problem here. We've got these people going Akira, you know, like they've got, <laughs> That's right. they bring the Akira <laughs> problem here. You know, like it's, it's, you see it everywhere. And like, yeah, the motorcycle bit, like it's been emulated by so many. The jacket so, with the pill in, on the in, back. In, oh, in animation, man. I imagine in an anime, I haven't been in an animation 
class, but the where, where is he rebuilt his arm? Tetsuo rebuilt. That is an extraordinary arm. piece of animation. Oh, it's still yeah. to this day. You watch it in YouTube videos, broken down. The detail in it is is phenomenal. Yeah, that's um, something should, new. I, I think. should just very quickly mention that um, the manga was written by Katsuhiro, Katsuhiro Otama, and mm. the film was directed by Katsuhiro Otama. So it's a proper auteur piece yeah, really. as well. Yeah, Otama is a you know he's one of the seminal figures in manga and anime and none more so than this you know and like he also his influence we'll talk about it later but his influence on on others in the next generation massive otama is i mean he's you know god tier stuff you know and akira is still like i say you go watch it now and you'll still be blown away by its animation now you know from 1988 it's over 30 years old the big players in the west in the in the 80s george lucas steven spielberg they knew this stuff was happening Mm. they knew nausicaa you know had come out they knew Cast on the Sky. I know they're Ghibli films, but like they were starting, they, they, they couldn't really work out how this would ever find an audience. Yeah. Because they were just so ingrained in writing for a Western audience. Yeah. But what they didn't realize is that we might be interested in what Eastern, you know, audiences are interested in as well. Totally. But I think, yeah, the storyline and like the kind of idea of delinquency and the kind of gang of like youth kind of versus like, you know, coming up, like I think it was really popular, particularly in the 80s and 90s here as well. So it was like the right thing to come along. Um, it's funny. I was just thinking about how Stranger Things obviously borrowed a lot from it too. Massively. Uh, which obviously is a massively Stranger Things deliberately as homage to everything from the 80s. You know, you've got yes. the Goonies, you've got this kind of thing. Yeah, and like yeah. Akira's like the Goonies on crack. Yes. Um. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, I think it's like, you know, you got kind Lost of. Boys. Yeah, vibes, that kind of vibe. So know, it's sort like, of like that sort of. Stand by me. Stand by me. <laughs> oh, God. The Warriors. Absolutely. The Warriors is the best example that Warriors. I just the Warriors got is to say. Great, yeah, and, and look. Uh, the Goonies is the worst example. The Goonies followed by Stand by Me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? The Warriors. The Warriors. If you, play. if you like The Matrix. The original, oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. All oh. of them, all the original. Hugely you like Blade Runner, uh, then you're going to love this this film. It's it's well worth it. It still stands up. I was very lucky to catch a screening about mm. two years ago at, um, at like, on the big it's screen. It's yeah. Uh, it, it was a proper event, mm. um, event cinemas, you know, screen. Not that Dendi's not proper, but, like, yeah. it was in the heart of Burwood and it was a great experience Sunday afternoon. It was it was absolutely packed. Oh, right. Mm. I That's was, awesome. I when was, I went yeah. to see Demon Slayer, I was probably the only male there <laughs> and probably the only person who was over 20. Were you on your own? In here. It's probably going to be me. Um, <laughs> I went to see the Naruto musical oh. and I was, the, that, like? this, oh, there was three people in the cinema, so <laughs> there you go. Was uh, the best thing I've right. ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> um, but Akira is always playing. Like that every year, someone yeah. will do an event at the yeah. cinema, and I recommend mm. seeing it on the big screen because I saw it at the Chauvel, which is a smaller cinema, but it was really great. And often they'll be playing it on different kinds of like yeah, with different kinds of film. film. I don't know. Yeah. What is that what it is? You go to the green. A lot of people yeah, like, go what? to the cinema. They go see June. This one's on eight visuals. millimeter. They'll go see Lord of the Rings, big visuals. But I go for sounds. I want to sit there with my hands over. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to people auditory experience. popcorn and chew on the chop yeah. Face the opposite way. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's... Graham comes and just acts it out for me. Like, But, you know, as a as our resident drawer, Graham, yeah. um, I mean, you know, right, it just looks extraordinary still to this day, right? Yeah. 
It's uh, like Brett was saying earlier on, it's it's the amount of frames they use per second. They like most animation is filmed on twos, so you know you have your keyframes and then you've got filler in between. Mm-hmm. But this is each each action has got its own like highly detailed drawing. That's uh, there's a scene where he's trying to he's got a crowbar and he's trying to hit another mm-hmm. motorcyclist and it comes off and the bike flips and stuff. That's each one of them is a drawn picture rather than a filler between it. Interesting. Just fluid motion. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. The color grading, the color scheme, like the, color the colors made for this piece. It's got that late eighty sort of Gale. Japanese yeah. Gale's Gale's huge. That, yeah. And 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 a lot of the uh, the shot choices. You might want to chat about this too. A lot of the shot choices have stolen now, like in terms of yeah. perspective and what's in the foreground. And one of the reasons I love animation and anime is you can't do some of that stuff in camera no. unless you've got it's a impossible. huge effect budget. Yeah, and even still then, can't. No, not possible. That's why a lot of them don't work as live actions as well because you need an infinite budget. I think, I'm not sure if we've mentioned, but I think that what's interesting about film in the 80s from anime and what Graham's going to talk about as well and what you're going to talk about, Sam, is Mm -hmm. that like I think the anime TV shows had a reputation of being kiddie but the films were super adult. Yeah, yeah, So that's kind of like this is interesting. It really does follow kind of that kind of theory, which is interesting. I don't know why that's a thing. Yeah, because like some of these films are, especially the one I'm about to talk about, it's like, Real messed up. And, you know, that yeah. kind of, that anime, you know, there's a few stigmas of attached to anime, right? One is for children. The other is that it's fucked up and weirdly sexualized. But this was like the beginning of the West going, oh, these can be adult. Yeah. These, mm-hmm. these, these, these can be yeah. made for adults. Why couldn't Cartoons. That? Like it just hadn't really been done properly in the West. And, and we Akira still, we still that. struggle with that. That's, I guess that is a big reason why we wanted to start this or you wanted to yeah, introduce... Yeah this to me was to understand more about how yeah. can animation this is everything tell a story it, it, of course and, it, and it, of course you can because you can do anything you can control so much more of the aesthetic i mean like arcane of course like my lord such a great piece of animation and you know yes of course kids can enjoy it but it's very adult you know and it's like we're starting we're starting to move that way but japan were miles ahead of everybody else in this front and akira a perfect example of that and my lord you got to watch it if you haven't seen it. I mean, and if you have, go and watch it again. Because watch God, it at the cinema. Watch go it to cinema. Go to the cinema. Go to cinema. Bring some friends. Even if they haven't seen anime, this could get them in. Go and then get them to listen to this podcast. And then you'll, you'll, everyone wins. Then you'll impress <laughs> that mysterious kid in your film too when you get asked what your favorite question is, uh, film is, and you say Akira, and then they look at you and they go, cool. Yeah, let's have a cool. smoke so. a Yeah. <laughs> cool. And then you're like, get away from me, lady. I'm 18 and you're like, what are you doing in this class? I can't. Anyway, sorry. I'll just add to, I put Akira story. up there and like, Maybe not my top 10, but top 20 films of all time. Yeah, right. Wow. Oh, that's, that's pretty good, oh, though. Brett is a film boy. A film boy. He's a, the, the drawer and the film boy. The drawer and the film boy over here. <laughs> wow. You should rob banks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something, I don't know. While we're in this era, we should probably talk about one of the other most influential anime films of all time. One which, again, has inspired so many films in the West. Graham, why don't you talk to us about Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Ghost in the Shell, like Akira, aimed at an older audience, but it's also in that sort of, I don't want to say cyberpunk, but I guess it is cyberpunk. It's totally it, cyberpunk. It could be more cyberpunk, cyberpunk if it tries. It is, it is cyberpunk. cyberpunk. Yeah. It just makes you think of that game. And game. Yeah, and the game sucks. Yeah, but it's also, yeah, it is that genre. It's not steampunk. The game doesn't <laughs> suck for a lot of people, though. Steampunk. Steampunk. Some people like it. Yeah. I liked it. I was yeah. robbed of my 30th that was going to be themed steampunk. Steampunk. 
You hate steampunk. Yeah, but imagine like We've a bunch of people. We've established on show how much you hate steampunk. I know, but imagine like forcing people to dress up in steampunk and With having gears like. And yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, that like, is a real dick move. I'm just like, have, I was going to have the lighting like a bit too bright. Like everyone, <laughs> like a trestle table, just make it like a bit sad. Like, yeah. because I think it's an aesthetic steampunk, like embarrassing steampunk from the early 2000s. Not like animated that's set, like I think Ghibli, I think that stuff is beautiful, but was, I, mean, I mean, 2000s steampunk, you know, okay, and that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's a very niche thing. On LARPers and the human race were all steampunk. Like they were, it, it was it was horrible. Exactly, like, that's like, what like, I want. Like the, I'm thinking the costumes. That's it's what like, I want. Like boring tubes. And- anyway, side yeah. note. Let's uh, cyberpunk. Yes. Go cyberpunk. Yeah, so it's based on a manga, a seinen manga series written by Masumi Shiro in 1980. I'll give you the little synopsis that I also stole from Wikipedia because. I'm lazy. Yeah, they do it. They do it well. Yeah, uh, give them your money if you can. It's oh, struggling I do it every time. I give them like fifteen bucks. And I do it. And the next day, I go on to fucking Wikipedia and I'm like, can you give us money? I was yeah. like, I just gave you money. Gave you money. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> me alone. And then they send you like personal emails. It's like, we God, really I feel need so bad. I never give money, and I use it all the time. I should. <laughs> no, I should. Three just bucks a year. Three bucks. Three bucks for all the information. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. live my life without it. Like, yeah. what? It got me for a uni. I don't know about you. <laughs> That's a referencing on that. You can go in and edit it to your own devices and yeah. then submit it. <laughs> Do we have a Wikipedia? Should we make one? We should make one. The Don't. Undisputed King yeah. of all, all anime, anime podcasts. podcasts. <laughs> oh, we all know who the We're Undisputed King this is. Tonight. <laughs> oh, before this comes out and you get to do it yourself. <laughs> Don't edit our Wikipedia page, please. Leave us alone. Nah, do be funny. Nah, do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Actually, all, all holds bars. Like, yeah. yeah, Graham lives in the sea. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, uh, That's anyway. a solution to everything. I live um, in a moat. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to cross the moat. Yeah. I just got out of bed. <laughs> the year is uh, 2029, which is coming up pretty quickly. That's it. Oh, jeez. Um, Technology has advanced so far that cyborgs are commonplace. In addition, human brains can connect directly to the internet. Neuralink, baby. Just killed a bunch of monkeys, actually. What? You know, what do we want? Neuralink, <laughs> uh, the idea of this exact thing, <laughs> like, like connecting to the internet. And Did someone do this? Elon Musk is trying to make this a thing. Neuralink is his company. Just killed like a ton of monkeys. Yeah. No, dead serious. With the technology? Yeah, no, he was, he was implanted them these. with these prototypes <laughs> of, uh, yeah, right. of Neuralink technology. They all died. Mm. So, so we're still a way off 2029. So, so we've, got, we've got some time so we're Sam's here. Sam's calling <laughs> bullshit on the storyline. <laughs> Sam's like, this is incorrect. Um, well, no, we still got a few years. We've got a few years to I thought you were just like, the yeah, Elon from Musk is just that rich. He's just baseball batting Disputing the science from the 1980s. I'm just saying that that just happened. It's an interesting point. It is interesting. No, it is. We're trying it. We're trying this stuff now. I will Wikipedia that later. Wikipedia that later. I'll edit it. Scarlett Johansson live forever. Let's save that for a minute. We'll save that. So it's the... The movie follows the, the main character. Of course it follows the main character. It does. <laughs> I'm not a film boy. Um, um, she works for Section 9, which is like an elite area of the police that deals with like cyber crimes and like cyborgs. And she is on the hunt for a mysterious sort of mastermind called the Puppet Master who tends to take over people's like their technology, their firmware to do crimes or connect, you know, commit terrorist acts and stuff. It's... It's, it's so good, fun. man. It's, it's so, yeah. but also, what a concept for the 
for, for the late 80s, early 90s. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, in, well, it was nah. written in 1980. Yeah. They didn't even know about the monkeys. They didn't even know about the monkeys in 2022. That's or not a clue. Did they? Or did they? Or did they? But again, they wouldn't have even seen like Blade Runner by that Oh, no. Yeah. Like, this is the, it's so, like, sci- Japanese sci fi, especially like early on, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, even like the prescience. We spoke about serial experiments lane in our psychological thrillers episode. Like, and you even said, like, was the mangaka a time traveler? Like, same thing here. Like, you just sit there and like, man, they they were on top of this well before everybody else. Like, well, this is this is the thing about sci-fi. You're predicting the future. You look at yeah, Jules. But they're always right. Oh, in the and 18th then- <laughs> century, was like people going to go to the moon and you know rocket fucking shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like what we said, like, they, like Jules Verne like, and whatnot. A, yeah. a big a big part of the heart of Japan was destroyed by technology and yes. the aggression of technology. Yes. But they they took that on board and they became absolute pioneers. And they still are and yeah. still are. But like at that period in time, it was all about. Japanese technology and yeah, electronics. Yeah, true. Yeah, big boom. Yeah, absolutely. It was fascinating. Very much, it was very much more part of their culture, I yeah. think. Well, yeah. We're talking about the country, that sort of giant robots, Astro Boy. Like, okay, yeah. They've always had their eye on robotics and stuff. Yeah. And this is just a sort of study of like what happens when technology and humans blend. Yes. Like are you, are you a human if your brain is in a robot body? Once you start taking pieces of your body and replacing machinery, are you technically a human? Are you more computer? Extremely philosophical, yeah. It's, um, it's fascinating. Bicentennial Man starring. Bicentennial <laughs> <laughs> AI starring. The, the absolute jewel in the, the crown peach. of the genre. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I, can, I just, can I just say, though, like when I, when I, um, when I watched it again a what couple of years ago. Bicentennial Man. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I watched that, like. Every month. He dies at the end. It's fucking heartbreaking. It's very sad at the end. Um, One one of the ones that I always thought, like in terms of conversation starters that kept popping up when I thought about Ghost in a Shell, I still haven't seen this live action. I guess we're going to talk about that. Mm -mm. No, we did that on a previous podcast and it's best not seen. Um, Yeah, no, I don't watch it. Because I was going to lead in with like the Akira one that's going to learn from it. Well, interesting, Uh, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, they think they're going to learn from it. Potentially. In terms of Taika. Taika, Taika Watiti, yeah, we need to yeah. talk about this. There's a potential remake in the West of Akira, directed potentially by Taika Watiti and Which I think executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio, who's one of the biggest fans of that film. You know, like he's been rumored to be producing or being in it since he's since EPing. the 2000s. Oh, that'd be great if he plays Tetsu or some of that. Or <laughs> Very weird. Canada, or, 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 or no, no. Oh, what's the, what's the, what's the little great. boy's name that Tetsu swerves for? Especially uh, if he played oh, like shit. Benjamin Button style. It's like. <laughs> Words for Miss yeah, Leo. Yeah, That's fine. Just get one of his girlfriends. They're age appropriate. Oh, yeah. there it Sorry. is. <laughs> Take that, Leo. Sorry. Leo's really upset by what I said. Him, yeah. so, <laughs> He'll be scrolling through his feed like, like, oh, no. Anime. Oh, Kira, I love that. Let's, oh, <laughs> I'll destroy them. <laughs> He's signing up to become a patron. She threw into the ground. Yeah. Was she dragged through a bush? <laughs> <laughs> That's who it is. <laughs> Leo's coming on the video. Is like, oh, sure. <laughs> sorry, Leo. Oh, I'm sorry. Shit, that tangent went awry. Sorry, that did go awry. That's very funny. I, um, I, the convers- <laughs> one of the biggest conversations throughout the whole of Battlestar Galactica was yes, 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 and that, yes, 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 that's yes. something that always the Cylons in that always uh, reminded me of of that Ghost in a Shell world or, yes. or what. How they might have evolved. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's not Ghost in the Shell isn't the first to ask this question, obviously, but like, 
My lord did it ask it well. You yeah, know, like, it's pretty early on though. It is very early on. Very early on. But I mean, Battlestar Galactica, the original was in the seventies. You know, pretty extraordinary what stuff. A heavy mess that was. It was shocking. But like, you know, they're asking <laughs> yeah. questions badly. Yeah. Same, like, West, yeah. same with Westworld though. Like the questions yeah. are, are there. Yes, and, but Ghost in the Shell definitely really asked that question early. And it's and also it's great. It's still and there's a lot so of it. Good. There's a lot what what are the like, how many Shows are there. There's a lot of there's so movies, there's, there's games, six there's movies. Yeah, yep. six there's movies. five TV TV shows. There's five animes. Yep. five games. There's five OVAs. There's you know there's mangas. Mangas. Yeah. Where do you get the games? Are they all PC I, based? I remember playing it on the PlayStation back in the day before okay. I knew anything yeah. about it. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it might um, be just a lot of them might just be kept in Japan. In Japan, but no, also no, you know stuff. subtitles or anything. You also see it now in like you know animes like '86. You know, heavily yeah. influenced by Ghost in the Shell. Any mecha show, Code Geass, like I mean, you know, because it's not it's not a mecha show per se, but like it's got elements of mech in it. It's like yeah, the sci-fi bubblegum crisis, bubblegum Bubble crisis. crisis, like so many. But I think that it's also like, Ghost in the Shell is another one of those like the ones that come up like really when I was getting into anime, like it was lauded. Like Akira was there, but also people like Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, which is one of the anime Ooh. series, like. Ooh. People yeah, really, really froth it. And obviously the biggest influence was like it had on the Matrix. Yep, that kind of thing. Like there's so many things now. And it's, it's, the Wachowski sisters. Wachowski? Wachowski? Wachowski sisters. Were absolutely, yeah. Enamored. Akira and Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Ninja Scroll. They, they, were, they were big into the anime early and a huge influence well, on a lot of Well, they did Speed Racer, work. which I fucking well, love. Yeah, absolutely. And the Animatrix, obviously. Animatrix, of course. Yeah, they actually sold the plot of the movie by using like stills from Ghost in the Shell, Shell. Yeah. the digital ray. It's part of their pitch. And, you know, yeah. the plugging into the back of the head for like when she gets serviced, I guess. Service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hugely influential, influential film. Yeah. Oh, look. Great and soundtrack too. Great, great soundtrack. soundtrack. We've got it on record because we're really? that cool. <laughs> oh. Just, we're coming over. Vinyl. <laughs> vinyl. Oh, no shit. We've got That's Vinyl, Ghost in the Shell. We've got really Vinyl, cool. Akira. Um, I don't even own a record player, but I think I'd buy that if I saw it. Yeah, yeah. you should get it. Yeah. It's really cool. It's actually my housemates. They're cooler than me. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, should have just claimed that. Yeah, it's me. Only vinyl I have is Oliver Twist, the musical. Brilliant. Also a banger. Also a great anime. It's wonderful, wonderful morning. morning. Actually, there's an animated adapt- adaptation that's called um, Oliver and, and Company. You company. Pick a pocket or two. <laughs> oh, dude. Oliver and Company with the cat as Oliver. And the- oh my God. That is a sick film. Billy Joel voices yeah. the Artful Dodger. Yeah. It's probably one of the worst, but best. Um, It's one of the best films I've made, Charlotte. And I won't hear a word against it. There you go. They, which I found quite interesting. Really? They came out the same year, I'm pretty sure. Oliver? Oliver and Company. Oh, Late really? 80s, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, like yeah. 89. Not Oliver as in Oliver. Sorry, the not Oliver the beloved, the not beloved Oscar award winning. Oliver Reed. They were yeah. like in, like direct competitors. Wow. Funny enough. I just thought <laughs> <Direct> <laughs> it was What's funny is that Sam and I, as yeah. children, just backed Oliver and company. Little did we know that. We were like, if you'd asked us like probably 10 years ago what was a better film, we'd be like, Oliver, Oliver and Company, fact, bro. I'm surprised it's not a fucking Oliver and Company. You know what there should be. In fact, I'm actually I'm, that's a that's a mistake on my part. <laughs> I almost wore my shirt today. <laughs> anyway, look, Ghost in the Shell. I mean, yeah. And what would you say is the one to watch of all life? Out, out of the two, out of oh. uh, no, out of the oh, sorry, right. out of the <laughs> out of the innumerate out of Oliver and Oliver and Company. Which <laughs> one? No, of, out of the innumerate Ghost in the Shell. Watch the movie. Watch the movie. Yeah. You think that's that's the best one that's, to give? That's the purest sort of. Get most of our origin. Mm. The film looks amazing. As again, like Akira, it's got that 
sort of anime style where everything's like hyper detail, like yeah. every little bit of machinery is just so over designed and so well thought out. Depth again, scale. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 96 on Rotten Tomatoes, 9.7 on IMDb. Like, Damn. It's a classic. It's an absolute classic. Did you ever watch a show, say a Western animated one from MTV? Um, they had a film with Charlie's Theron. Aeon Flux. Aeon Flux, yeah, yeah. 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 It's similar to Ghost in the Shell, right? Yeah, that kind yeah, of vibe. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Cyberpunky future Yeah, because I, I think I watched that when I was really young. It had a huge effect on me. I think it may be because it's very, that's obviously influenced by anime. Like. But, you know, Psycho Pass as well, obviously anything like that, heavily influenced by Ghost in the Shell. You know, it's it's it's, it's all there. It's It's, you know, one of the godfathers. Ghost in the Shell, I mean, you know, it's a classic for a reason, but you got to check it out. Watch the original film. You know, there's so much there, but check it out. So, Charlotte, why don't you talk to us a little bit about a more modern anime film? I yeah. mean, it's still, it's not not brand well, new. We're not keeping in timeline. No, we're not. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jump around a touch. Yeah. Here. Um, Sam wants to have the grand finale. Oh, he does. Actually, do you finish every time? The crescendo. No, sometimes nice. I go first. Yeah. We'll put you in the middle next I very time. rarely go in the middle. Uh, <laughs> so running strategist and podcasting. Uh, yeah. Right on. Um, um, the rest of us are a rambling mess. So. There'll <laughs> be some cohesion to this fucking mess. <laughs> um, uh, the one I'm doing is, it's funny, like it is modern because it came out in 2016, but like, you know, that's not actually that new. There's plenty of other films that have come out recently that I could have done, but this one is something that I wanted to talk about because it's a film that, because it was on Netflix for a while. Mm. I think it's gone off now, actually. Has. But it was on Netflix for a while and a lot of people stumbled across it and it kind of hit It kind of hit a different note than Ghost in the Shell Akira. Like, it's a, and I know I'm going to laugh at myself because I'm like, I did the rom-com one. Like, I did the funny high school body swap oh, rom-com one. This is one. a sci-fi too, really. It is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so I did one that this, is This called, is my favourite. Can I just say this is my favourite type of sci-fi where, like, there's like a... One world rule change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In our world. Like, I love it. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. and this is a brilliant film. Like the short film we made together all those years ago. Stunning, exactly yeah. like that. So actually a live, this is an animated adaptation of that. Um, so, <laughs> so your name is the English title for um, Kimi no Nawa and it is, yeah, it's called Your Name. It came out in 2016. I'll tell you general synopsis is basically to put it in the plainest terms like I usually do. Um, it's about a girl who lives in rural, traditional Japan in modern, modern setting. So, and she goes to high school, but she lives in a shrine. So her family traditionally have run a shrine. Uh, they make uh, sake traditionally like, through their mouth. They're kind of like, it's a rice kind of like mm. very traditional, but. Ma- mashing kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they live a very traditional kind of life, but she still is a modern day high school girl who just goes to school, rides a bike around. It always looks amazing. Every time they're riding their bike, I'm like, damn, I want to live there. Yes. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah, oh my they're... God. The ocean, they like live on this like big cliff, like island, beautiful place. Anyway. That's the dream, man. That's the dream. If I could retire not on an this, ocean cliff not, hey, and, and just make sake. Come on, man. Not for this but That's girl. not her dream, Sam. See, she no, well, she's goes, a fool. she's like, anyway. you know what? She's yeah. over her life because she's a bit embarrassed because people at school are kind of like a bit off her traditional life and the shrine and everything. So she's like, damn it, I just wish that I was a modern, like, city boy. Literally, she wants to be like a city boy. Cut to uh, <laughs> there is a boy who is a classic. He lives in an apartment with his father. He's a modern-day city boy, high school boy that lives in Tokyo. So he's a fast-paced life. He works part-time at a restaurant. He studies with his friends, and that's what she longs for. Anyway, flash forward, and basically what happens is they end up swapping bodies because they wish on a shooting star 
He's like, I wish I could have a more quiet life. And she's like, I wish I had a city slicker life. Body swap. So they wake up in each other's bodies. One of them is Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. And the other one is Lindsay Lohan. So what, ta- what happens then is basically they just have, you know, they end up, they're kind of, they bring different things to each other's lives and they are both helping each other through their own daily life and they learn a lot about each other and like in each other's bodies and it's that they swap back and forward. So when they go to sleep, they wake up and some days it's just like random and they'll swap. Um, and then something happens and I don't really want to say because it will spoil a fuckload and the film was one of those things where I was watching and I was like, oh, cool, like rom-com, like there's like a J-pop song. It's like, did it and they're like having a good time riding my bike in the mountain and then suddenly I'm like, oh, God, this is horrific and really uh, sad all of a sudden. Classic anime. So, yeah. It really will, like, it will get to you. And are they, great are they like, aware of each other that have swapped? Are they, like... They're aware, yes. Yeah, they, they know? Yeah. Right, okay. Well, no, they've never met each other, but they have they um, a phone and yeah. they can read, like, texts from each other so they can kind of be, like, they can give each other hints about what to do or they figure out what's uh, going on. So the third act of this film takes a very different turn and we kind of follow it. It becomes, like, a bit of an adventure suspense and it's it's really really good but one thing that's really notable about this film is that people often and you'll see it a lot online is people compare the uh the skylines of the cities and they, they went they actually like animated real places and it's beautiful like yeah. the way this is animated the way yeah, it's yeah, done yeah. there's a lot to do like a lot of motifs of shooting stars and that kind of thing and like when they wish upon it and there's sky a lot of stuff a lot of yeah. sky landscape and like and because they're based on real places so it's stunning there's like scenes you can see like shot by shot where they've like got people actually riding bikes next to them and they've animated it and it's just like it's stunning and it makes you really want to go to japan this one could be live action and yeah. you've seen the live action version many times through it, there's, some, there's, a, there's, a, there's a beauty to the way that it's animated, the way that it's scored. I also think yeah. what makes it interesting is that because they've got the country rural life and the, like, the city life, I think that that in Japanese, like, and also I think it would be the same if you had a country life in Australia and city life in Australia too. Rural and urban, But yeah. you get to see, like, rural in Australia, rural in Japan, rural in America, all completely different. Yeah, oh, yeah. And even city life in Japan, city life in Sydney, city life everywhere. And I think it's cool because this film really shows, like, the differences there, which we might not, like, we can read that on paper and be like, she lives in rural Japan, but I don't know what that means. And this really, I think, sums up the daily life stuff for both of them really well. Yeah. So you get an idea about what modern living might mean for somebody who lives in rural Japan. Yeah. Well, it's a big question cool. that's been coming up in Japanese media. I mean, Miyazaki. One of yeah, the great questions he, he asks all the time is modernity versus traditional, right? And what better example of that than rural versus urban, you know? And especially because Japan, last nation to modernize, last major nation to modernize, you know, they did it so fast, coming from a very feudal society to a very modern society unbelievably quickly. And so obviously as a cultural question, that's fascinating. And this film does that really well, but through a very personal story. And I think it's, you're right, because it's not a sci-fi, you know, you know, it's body swap, sure. Well, okay, it's a fantasy. It's sci-fi. a fantasy sci-fi, sure, but it's not. You know, people swapping minds and shooting each other and doing crazy. No. It's set in the modern. Stuff. It's set in the modern day. Yeah, so and it's, not, like, yeah. it's a very domestic story. You know, amongst uh, a sci-fi, and I think that's what's really cool about it. So it's kind of a slice of life meets a sci-fi. Yeah, you know? it's so also it's really cool. It's interesting. You know? That yeah, that idea of like the modernity versus like I think there's another the subplot is that like her father is a politician who wants to kind of update the town and she and her her like grandmother runs this shrine still so she's kind of in terms of becoming like she wants to be kind of modern but also has this like pull towards her traditional life of it's it's really good it's a really good movie and it really will make you cry it'll make you happy or sad depending on kind of how you go with it but it's it's a really good one and I think that 
one that a lot of people have watched who have not been really into anything I've recommended for them. You know, like I could, I come mm. up at a loss with like recommending even Ghibli and stuff. They're kind of like, oh, it's a bit kiddie or whatever. Have watched this and been like, oh, I really enjoyed that. Like it's just mm. a really well told, simple story. Mm. And it's got the tropes that we all know, body swap, stuff like that. But yeah, the director is called um, Makoto Chinke. Um, he has done a bunch of films, but this is probably his most successful. Yes. Uh, it became the third highest grossing film in Japan, I believe, or third highest anime film of all time. I think at the time it surpassed, um, it surpassed Spirited Away to be the most, but since then we've had Demon Slayer and Jujutsu Kaisen, which has beaten it. So now it's the third highest grossing anime film in Japan of all time. Yes. Uh, Weathering With You was his last film that he did, this one coming out next year, which was meant to be brilliant. I haven't seen it. Mm. Uh, Your Name won a bunch of awards. It was like a bit of an Oscar upset that it didn't get nominated for Best um, Animated. When I had a choice of doing this, I also debated between doing this and a movie called A Silent Voice, which I recommend you go and watch. It's a heartbreaking piece and it – Probably has one of the best animated sequences of social anxiety I've ever seen in a mm. film. But I do think that um, Your Name is I'll one that's I've been meaning to see that one, actually. It's fantastic, yeah. but it's pretty brutal. So uh, I know everything we're watching is a bit brutal and hectic, and so I was like, I'll come with the kind of brutal, hectic one. But like, <laughs> oh, no. So really emotional. Compared to Sam's. Yes. Yeah, well, so, yes, I recommend watching Your Name. I think that uh, it would be good for pretty much anyone, to be honest. It's a really easy, fun, nice watch. It looks beautiful. The characters, it's like a very clear story it's just a good film it's good yeah good time it doesn't matter that's animated and that's the best part about it yeah all right so i suppose we've now talked about two of the most seminal old school films and you know especially in that like anime obviously got very well known for the superhero sort of genre stuff and akira and ghost in the shell well massive sci-fi genre stuff right your name still sci-fi but a little bit more domestic but now i'm going to talk about something which is i guess you would call art house i suppose and is Unbelievably influential and also really messed up. So I'm going to talk about Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue. Now, this is a 1997 psychological horror film. It's based on the novel Perfect Blue uh, by Yoshikazu Takeuchi. Uh, also, it's just called Perfect Blue Complete Metamorphosis is its full title. And the screenplay was by Sadayuki Murai. And funnily enough, Satoshi Kon actually adapted the screenplay quite heavily along with Murai. And the only thing was he had a few parameters that he had to hit. It had to be about a pop star. It had to be about a stalker. And that was about it. And he kind of played with the original story quite a bit. So let me extrapolate on that. So the film follows Mima Kirigoe, a member of a Japanese idol group called Cham, who retires from music to pursue an acting career. As she becomes the victim of a stalker, gruesome murders begin to occur and Mira starts to lose her grip on reality. Now, I won't go any further into it because half the fun, fun. It's not, this film is not fun. Half the battle. <laughs> half the idea is no. Is that the whole concept of this film is the blurring of fiction and reality, right? So let me tell you about Satoshi Kon. Satoshi Kon was born in 1963 and died of pancreatic cancer at just 46 in 2010. He was an acclaimed film director, animator, screenwriter, and manga artist. He was born in Sapporo, Hokkaido, which is the north. And best known for his acclaimed anime films, Perfect Blue, 97, Millennium Actress, 2001, Tokyo Godfathers, 2003, Paprika, 2006, amongst a couple of others. But, like, these are the four major films that he made. He also made one anime series called Paranoia Agent, which I've watched, and it's absolutely outstanding. Again, all about the concept of fiction and reality coming to terms with each other and blurring. So... 
funnily enough, we come full circle. So Khan started out as Katsuhiro Otomo's assistant. And Otomo, of course, being the creator of Akira. Akira. This was his first big gig. He was basically, it was 1991, and he got a gig as an animator and background designer for Rojin Z or Z. We've had this debate before. Which is like, pick a side, Three years after the film. Yeah. Akira yeah, yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is a big gig for a young and guy he was starting young. out. young. Very young. And like 21, 22? Yeah, he was young. He was young. He was it's a big gig. And again, it's this idea of- 26 at the most. Absolutely. Oh, the way I- to make me feel bad. <laughs> but the it's idea like the also- Orson Welles vibe. Yeah, it's horrible. Oh, totally. It's did- like, did you change the face of cinema at age of 25? Like, no, nope, well, I guess. What's the guy who created Attack, of- <laughs> Attack on Titan? Attack on Titan. Born on the same day as yeah, me and the same young. year. Hajime so, Isayama. God, Isayama. I'm talking about him and he's just doing- Doing his shit. Now owns an onsen. Yeah, now like owns 19, an onsen. Never be uh, he retired <laughs> to own an onsen? He hasn't retired, but he now just, he's bought an onsen. Now he's just chilling out after it. He's bought an onsen. Yeah, fair so enough. He just too. runs an onsen? At the moment, yeah. That's awesome. He'll probably write something again later, but. Anyway, I guess I guess this speaks to the idea of simply how much all of this feeds into each other, not just into how it broke into the West, but the fact that Satoshi Khan was Otomo's apprentice in a way, you know, was his mentor. Is quite extraordinary, and you see this all over the manga industry as well. But this is an extraordinary case. So he made his directorial debut with episode five of the 1993-1994 OVA of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, for which he also wrote the script and storyboarded. So this JoJo is, fans will find a way into any JoJo fans me. will get into this. So Going yes, into this room though, have they? No, no, I'm not, I'm not yet. Shame. I don't know. It is a big shame. Yes, we, honestly, <laughs> it's kind of a blight on this. I result. think that we should watch JoJo and do a whole episode dedicated to it and how we feel about it. We will. I started JoJo's Bizarre Adventure a while back. I started that about 15 years ago. Yeah, I started it and I was like. This ain't very good. but um, Apparently it's amazing. You know? But it gets good yeah. is what I've heard, but I haven't got there yet. So like One Piece, it's a floor in our game. Great memes, though. We will get there. But in 1997, Satoshi Kon began on his feature directorial debut, Perfect Blue. It was Kon's first film and was produced by Madhouse and particularly by producer Masayo Murayama. And Murayama invited him to make this film because he just dug that JoJo's episode. He watched that and he's like, who made this? I'm like this guy's like, get in here, guy. Let's make a let's make a film together. That's what Madhouse was founded on. You know, it was Mad, I think I said in the you all made fun of me. Cool people doing cool things, and you know, that JoJo's was, fans finding JoJo's fans, hundred <laughs> percent. And that's what he did with Satoshi Kon. Pretty extraordinary thing. So, like I say, only the four films and a thirteen episode TV anime, which is Paranoia Agent. But his death of pancreatic cancer was very sudden. So it was one of those things where he was just at the top of his game, just like bam, 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 making all this cool stuff. He was like the auteur. The art house or tour of anime coming into the West, in you know, out of Japan, and he got pancreatic cancer in 2010, dead in a month, Oof, just gone, dead. It's, it's yeah, very very sad. Didn't tell anybody, sort of just retreated Paprika, back home. Uh, Godfathers of Tokyo, mm-hmm. Heavy Blue, they Millennium Actress, yeah. But but those three, they pop up all the time in the top. Oh. Anime films of all time. Oh, uh, and, you know, and if you're a film student, Charlotte, everyone. That was a long time ago, Sam. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I'm retired. Oh, you man. better believe that I bought she up runs the pre Of course you do. Yes. Me and Esiyama, like, what up? Yeah. I'm like, why'd you do that ending, bro? Yeah. He's like, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I'm folding towels. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there is an unfinished film called Dreaming Machine, and it remains so. It has been attempted to be finished by Madhouse and Murayama in particular, who was the person who really gave him his shot. But several times 
he's tried to remake this, and about 600 of the 1,500 shots have been animated, but Muriyama now believes that someone else should take on the project and make it their own because he's tried to make it so many times, but he's like, you know what? No one's Satoshi Kon. So someone now needs to take the IP and just Osmo's make it their own. Face up and new. He is, but again, it's like, I think he's, it needs to be something new. He's, he's like, figured this yeah, out, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's just one of those weird situations where everyone's like, when's Dreaming Machine going to get finished? And, and Muriyama's finally, after all these years, been like, you know what, it's not going to be. It's great that he has that foresight to actually, or, or that um, resolve to actually say, this isn't for me, this could be in better hands. Yeah, well, he's just sort of, I think he just sort of realised that it, no matter what he does, this is going to be a weird, like, and some, someone trying to finish something that someone else made, it never works. And some you know? studio might pick it up and come in and be like, let's put a song here or like, yeah, let's do this. Whatever, you know, it'd be, like, something. Like- it'd just be something. So his influence was so far reaching and he was mentioned among the Fond Farewells and Times People of the Year 2010. Darren Aronofsky wrote a eulogy for him uh, for a Japanese retrospective book on his animation career and both Aronofsky and Guillermo Guillermo del Toro, have expressed how much Khan influenced them. Many critics have also noted the similarities of Christopher Nolan's Inception to Paprika. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But, I mean, let's be real. Darren Afronovsky, like, you're not oh, fooling anyone. You're oh, literally no. taking um, shots uh, and you're taking I mean, storylines. Black Swan is basically perfect blue. Perfect. Like, it's unbelievably similar. But Aronofsky admits, you know. Guillermo del Toro gets away with it, but. Well, look, I mean, Aronofsky's he's pretty For example, there's a very famous shot in both Requiem for a Dream and Perfect Blue with the main character huddled in the fetal position in a bath and screaming underwater. That is a direct take from Perfect Blue. So Khan was himself greatly influenced by, of course, Akira Kurosawa, uh, Terry Gillum, uh, Haruki Murakami, of course, Philip K. Dick, and, of course, Osama Tezuka. If you work in manga in the 80s and 90s, you're influenced by Osama Tezuka. But however, his greatest influence was the musician Susumu Hirasawa. And Khan's idea of fractal control came from Hirasama, who has applied fractal generating programs to his music production. So this guy also did the score for Berserk and the theme of Millennium Actress, which was actually played at Satoshi's funeral. So like, interestingly, like this guy... It's really interesting the more you get into this, like, and I've only just started to, I haven't done enough research He's to really make a figure. thesis on this, but like the relationship between music and art and especially manga and anime, massive, 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 sure. massive, massive. Just obviously why we spoke to Kevin Penkin and, you know, if we speak to him again, I'd like to ask him these sorts of questions because like it is so fascinating to me, like how much that of all the people, it was Susumu Hirasawa that Satoshi Kon rates as his greatest influence. Yeah. And, like, that's a musician who did some really yeah. weird sort of oh, art yeah, house kind of stuff. Interestingly, Gerald, when we talked about Berserk, was like, can't stop lifting to that soundtrack. So there you go. That's Must yeah, be good. We, right there, man. We kind of mentioned mentioned it when I was talking about Akira, but... Extraordinary. Very extraordinary. Like, they extraordinary. Use, they use, like, real-time traditional instruments synthesized, like, using synth, but synthesized with... 80s techno beats Modern stuff at the stuff. time. It's amazing. But Satoshi Kon, I mean, the mixture of fiction and reality are key components of Kon's work. So Perfect Blue, Millennium Actress, and Paprika all feature this concept prominently, as does Paranoia Agent, the TV series. So the character designs and backgrounds in Kon's work appear to be aiming for realism. However, Kon's goal is not to depict landscapes and people that look as if they are real, but to depict the moments when landscapes and people that look as if they are real suddenly reveal themselves to be fiction or pictures. Very Murakami. So his ability to depict a realistic world that he demonstrated working on others' films, such as Otomo's films that he worked on, is utilised in his own works to most effectively show the drop of transition from reality to fiction. The world that appears to be real in Khan's work does not remain real 
but it suddenly transformed into an unfamiliar world in order to disorient the audience. This is why he insisted on working in animation rather than in live action. Mm. So, Mm. for example, Perfect Blue, right? It's so disorienting. And I think the best word I can use to describe Perfect Blue is unsettling. And this film is fucked up. It is uh, huge trigger warnings, huge content warnings. There are scenes of a uh, sexual assault a, a few times, and yeah. which are very graphic. There's one of the most graphic stabbing scenes you could possibly imagine. It is messed up. It, isn't that amazing that you mentioned the stabbing scene, though? Because I found that one of the most, like, grotesquely. I've seen all the Saw films recently for some stupid reason, don't I? <laughs> I won't. I won't. And they're, <laughs> and they're graphic and personal, but this is... This is animation. It shouldn't. It should be a little bit detached, and it's not. It's the stabbing scene is one of the most graphic things I've ever seen in my life, and like it is extraordinary. I had nightmares over this film, right? And like I hadn't seen it up until we had to do this podcast. Satoshi Kon, like I said, I'd seen Paranoia Agent, but it was a bit of a flaw in my game. And I'll just say that the disorientation is quite extraordinary, and. The fact that you don't really, because she tries to move away from being a pop star, not a famous one. Like she's sort of performing at semi big gigs. And then like the stalker who is like one of the creepiest designed characters you'll ever see starts to get obsessed with her. And it talks about fame and otaku culture and the idea that like people own you as, as an entity. And when you start to, when she tries to change her career and she moves from being this kind of wholesome, like kind of not very successful, but semi pop star. To, you know, very, very girly, very, like, kind of weird Japan-like kind of stuff. And then she tries to move into being a serious actress. And, of course, she starts hitting all these roadblocks because the director writes in these really fucked up scenes for her to do. And she hates it. And then her fans rebel against it. And then, the, you know, the, the stalker starts to think that these people, you know, hence the people who write the writer. Not too much of a spoiler, but the writer gets killed brutally and as a result this fandom idea which is so big in japan but even anywhere nowadays we own them we own them what do you mean they're doing something new this isn't her this can't be a real version of her where you get the black swan idol culture idol culture extreme and there's like celebrity culture that i think we can relate to a lot yes but like idol culture particularly k-pop that kind of thing i know it's not japan but like now modern like k-pop's huge in the west like bts BTS. i fucking love bts i know this i know podcasting is a very visual medium so it's very hard to just like like what you're saying is is so interesting because it's visceral Mm. and real Mm. And animation, again, is supposed to be a little bit, like, detached from the real world, right? Which is why he why was, Why do yeah. these things evoke so much drama and so much right? apathy? And, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just something that he had done. And, again, like, you get Aronofsky's and Del Toro's the vis- and stuff. But they're visuals, aren't they? It's the visual, but the visual side of it is, like, again, you get this idea of, oh, animation's for kids or whatever. We've, you know, we tried to debunk that a thousand times on this on this very podcast. But Satoshi Kon's work is some of the most visceral things work I've ever seen in anything. And I cannot recommend it enough. It's not a fun time. In fact, it's a very disturbing time. But my God, did it sit with me and made me think, you know? And again, that, there are so many different things going on, like the the, the, the pop idol thing, the, the psychological idea, the idea of changing yourself and what you're willing to do to do that. And what happens when you start to blur your own realities? I mean- and, like, what does Fuck. it mean to be an actor? What does it mean to be a celebrity? What does it yes. mean to be a woman who has yes. fans- I, yeah, it's it's really it's a really amazing psychological kind of investigation of that. Yeah, and yeah, I I think that I don't know. It's 
all of his films are visually incredibly stunning. Yes. This one's a bit more low-key than Paprika, which Big is time, like yeah. hectic, later you know, on, like yeah. things kind of going on. So, but I think it's influenced a lot of like thriller, psychological thrillers and things oh, like that. Oh, my Lord. And, and without, without maybe speaking out of turn a bit, Sam, like I think you've got a great spread of films that have started, like they are really the sort of gateway films. And then you've gone through your name, which is arguably potentially a live action, but is so much better as an animation and then Perfect Blue, which actually allows the exploration of the imagination to yes. to happen even further than it could ever happen in a live action. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's why this medium works so well. And it's so interesting because it's it's very it has received some criticism, especially Perfect Blue, about being predominantly through the male gaze, but it's also a critique on the male gaze. I was going to say, you I think know, I could make sense. I don't, that would that doesn't bother me when I watch it because I think it's like kind of meant to be a thing where the camera gets turned around onto the viewer. So, yeah. so you're like, oh, shit, am I the problem? Am I the person who is like, 100%. Mm. What I was leading to is like, what are your recommendations if you like this? Obviously right. Black Swan is. Black Swan's a massive one. I mean, I guess Requiem for a Dream, you know, Darinovsky films get in there. like 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 uh, The King of Comedy. Joker? Yeah, yeah, to a degree, yeah, absolutely. In fact, Joker's of, a very good call. Yeah. yeah. Joker's a very good call, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Like anything like that, which is like super, it's it's very psychological and intense. Yeah, and dreamlike. So, yeah, I honestly couldn't, I'll just, and I'll leave you with a quote here from Dean Dubois, who is made Lilo and Stitch, How to Train Your Dragon trilogy, Hamer, the Seager Ross docker, probably mispronounced that, but also the script maker for uh, Mulan. So he said it, he said about Satoshi Kon, he said, Satoshi Kon, Use the hand-drawn medium to explore social stigmas and the human psyche, casting a light on our complexities in ways that might have failed in live action. Much of it was gritty, intense, and at times even nightmarish. Khan didn't shy away from mature subject matter or live action sensibilities in his work, and his films will always occupy a fascinating medium between cartoons and the world as we know it. And I think that's a great way to describe totally. con. I mean, look, I'm just going to sit here and say, watch it. You're not going to have a fun time, but you will, you will, you will experience You'll something. It if you like film, yeah, yeah, yeah. real um, filmmaker. Such yeah. a sad, damn shame he died. He could have been. Yeah. He would have been the guy. Imagine he would have been now. the guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he would have been the guy who came to the West and was the art house anime guy. You know, it's it's very sad. But he left us with some amazing work. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Great legacy. Great legacy. Do Before we, we go, I just want to talk about some other anime films that we haven't kind of discussed yeah. here. Yeah. I would say one that I watched recently is Summer Wars. Yes. And oh. the director is Mamoru Hosoda. And oh. it's funny because Summer Wars, I was watching it and I was like, this is like Digimon. Turns out, same director. He made the <laughs> Digimon film, which is a banger of a film. And then he went, you I want to make it again. I said it last time we recorded. <laughs> uh, and then. <laughs> no, no, you've said it before. I'm sure you've said, like, yeah. someone's told me that the Digimon film is actually decent. Oh, no, it's amazing, it's the first one. And yeah. that's because mm. it was actually his ideas for a film that he had and he kind of translated it to Digimon. And then when he got some recognition, he decided to make Summer Wars. Summer Wars is really good. He also um, had The Girl Who Let Through Time, which is a Classic. Oh, yes. Another one you watch. And The Boy and the Beast is another one that people right. are really. Boy and the Beast was good. I watched yeah, that. and yeah. also one Beautiful. that is really, really good, but a little bit kind of strange is Wolf Children. I've heard this. Yeah, a beautiful it. film, but I think it's a kind of people are a bit like, oh, kind of weird bestiality vibes. But mm. watch it; it's really good. Well, the, also at the time, and Bell, he's made Bell. I was about to say, nice Bell just came out at the time of the recording. This is, I think it came out a week ago. So that's currently showing in cinemas in Australia. Big, yeah. And that's Huge. Big wraps. Big wraps up. up on Bell. Yeah. So, yeah, worth a look. 
Any other recommendations? Anime films. I mean, yeah, all of Satoshi Khan's work. I think uh, we should I want to eat your come pancreas. back to Satoshi Khan and go through Paprika. And yeah, we can probably do a yeah. standalone episode on him next season because, yeah, I've only just – Perfect Blues. Like, and also that was his first film. You know, yeah. he, he sophisticated so himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Tokyo Godfathers. Oh, Fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah. film as well. And my God, it's very different. Anyway, look, there you are, people. This is our Gateway to Anime episode on – Anime films. So there's a good bunch to start with. We all, I spoke about Ninja Scroll, obviously, on our Ninja and Samurai yeah. episode. Another classic, classic around this period of time. Stay away from violence, Jack. Yeah, stay away from that. <laughs> there's a few. I mean, there's a few right there. Like, stay ooh. away from live action versions. Of yes, did a whole episode on that. Uh, as well. I want to eat your pancreas. It's meant to be really good as well. I want to eat your pancreas. It's meant to be fantastic. Terrible name. Well, I mean, Demon Slayer is awesome, but that's like kind of not what we're counting. It's yeah. cute, like Man of the Season. I still haven't seen it. Yes, really? well, we're all I'm going to go going. see Jujutsu Kaisen. Oh, I'm so excited. No, you can come and see that because you don't need to have watched the series to yes. see it. It's a prequel. I, I've heard that. And yeah, I'm we're going to do that. So, look, thank you all so much. Before we go. I would like to thank some patrons. Now, first of all, let me shout out to one of our best and most favorite patrons, and Grant. Grant, I've been calling you Stuart the whole Grant time. Grant Stuart. And I'm very sorry because I read the email name wrong. Grant, thank you. Massive appreciation for what you do. Really appreciate it. I would like to Damn. thank Curtis. I would like to thank Christian. I'd like to thank Alex, Samantha, Caroline, Ian, Thank you all so much. It means the world to us. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're just going to get a scrolling name. That's me. Bort Samson. My son's name is also Bort. No, look, thank you so much, everyone. Brett, so good to have you back. So good to be back. Good to have the family together. We love talking to you all. And I hope you go watch some anime films after this. And there are so many. And they're so good. They're gateways. And there's some more, which are a bit further down the rabbit hole. Check them out. Enjoy. We'll catch you all next time. Thank you. Thanks very much.